another episode. I'm your host, Mike Ham. We are here today with the CEO of Kilos, John Streisauer. John, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. So uh, for our listeners, if they don't know who you are, and because you're early in your podcast experiences, they probably don't. Uh, let's let's learn a little bit about who John Streisauer is. Well, okay, that's kind of a, an interesting and deep question. Um, <laughs> Uh, I grew up kind of uh, always interested in playing with gadgets and, and toys and lasers and things like that. And I always took things apart as a little kid. And, uh, you know, as in fourth grade, uh, I was interested in computers and I got an opportunity to go to the Lawrence Hall of Science and play with the teletypes way back when this is back in the, I guess, 80s. Yeah, 80s, um, when, when computers were just kind of coming on the scene and spent a lot of time there with my brothers playing around with the teletypes. And that ultimately led to... Um, uh, an opportunity to bring one of their acoustic coupled modems to our uh, fourth grade school and get it put in a closet. So we actually created a, a, a computer center in, a, you know, in an elementary school way back when. So it's just, I've always been interested in kind of uh, uh, science and technology and how all these things kind of hang together. And, um, you know, that's been all through my educational career and, and my business career as well. Um, you know, doing different things like that. So when I was in college, um, I got involved with uh, computer networking and um, started helping businesses figure out how they could use this then uh, unknown thing called email to try to connect people. And, you know, it was amazing how many times people would say, why would you do that? You know, right. and, and, and it was obvious to me why you would do that. It is probably to everybody today. Um, but anyway, so that led to, um, you know, the opportunity to do networking for some gaming concerns in the uh, casino gaming industry. And that led to a whole business or patenting a system and developing that. And so it's just been a career of, of really applying technology to business problems, um, you know, and helping companies and governments solve problems with technology. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's very interesting because like you're mentioning solving problems and, and what I find fascinating about, you know, technology and all those different things is like, the opportunities to innovate in a technology field are limitless, basically. I mean, it's innovation, right? So like you're innovating exactly. different yep. things in different industries and all that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe take me through like, you know, like the, the casino gaming is, is, you know, different than, you know, doing like a teletype and like all those kind of things. I know that's obviously two different po points in your life, but take me through like, you know, maybe the fascination behind some of these things and like why maybe making the jump to different industries and trying different innovative products. Okay. Well, there's, there's kind of a lot that's all wrapped up in that. Um, I'll try to make this fast. Um, <laughs> so my dad uh, built a cabin in Tahoe and he was, uh, he was a mathematician amongst many other things, but uh, he always was interested in games of chance. So when we were up in Tahoe every summer and every winter, we would go and hang out and, you know, and he would show us, you know, how you could count cards and things like that. So we're always interested in casino gaming anyway. Right. So when you got a chance to uh, do computer networking, connecting early PC networks to mini computers in the, in the gaming industry, um, starting in Tahoe and Reno, um, I found out that the, you know, the gaming industry was exploding at that time. Indian casinos were starting to come on the scene and, you know, gaming congresses around the world, gaming was becoming legal in more jurisdictions. It was, an industry was really, you know, exploding. And part of it was um, the pit bosses were trying to figure out how to track gamers at table games like blackjack and craps and roulette and so forth. Right. And so, you know, over a couple of year period of time, um, I, I developed a system and patented it and ultimately ended up installing it, selling it to the gaming industry around the world. And ultimately Harris acquired that from me. 
Yeah. And so that was kind of, you know, a great experience and seeing where you could create a, a reference uh, customer solution to a problem and then sell it to the industry. And, you know, it's really fun because by the time I was done with that business, I was an expert in that field. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And I find this interesting too, and maybe we can dive into this a little bit more. So you started, you know, doing these things and we're just talking about the casino gaming and, and honestly, like we can probably do an entire episode just on that, but that's obviously not why you're here. You're here to talk about kilos and what you guys are doing and how you're changing the EV experience for all these different people. Um, so take me through, like, how do you go from working in that field and doing those kinds of things to what you're doing now with kilos? Okay, well, there's, there's uh, you know, 25 years and a bunch of companies in different industry segments through there. So I've been a serial entrepreneur, you know, and my background's obviously now in computer science, electrical engineering, network engineering, um, and, you know, developing businesses around these things. So it's been a really wild ride entrepreneurially. And I've met with, you know, typically I've gone into industries not knowing a whole lot about it, but having passion and interest. And then I meet with, you know, extremely smart people that have spent their entire lives, their whole careers in, in a discipline. And I've kind of likened it to, you know, you can, you can meet these people that are world-renowned experts and they can give you the nuggets in, in an hour, the things yeah. that actually really matter. And you know that it's just true because these people have spent their whole lives doing something. Right. So it's cruel. And, you know, and that's what's been the most fun for me is to kind of watch that happen. But about 10 years ago, I bought my first Tesla and uh, that followed an experience of test driving a Roadster. Um, and this was very early on in Tesla's career. Um, and I, I was invited to go and test this thing. And I thought, well, you know, what the heck, I'm going to go try it out and see what it's like. But I was so blown away. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fast. It was a rainy day in Palo Alto. And the guy that was with me in this car, he said, go around the corner as fast as you can. I'm like, it's, it's rainy out here, dude. I mean, it's slippery. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, not in this car. It's not. And yeah. it's like, it was amazing. I could not get the thing to slip no matter how fast I went. I couldn't get it to slip. It was incredible. I mean, it was just the, the whole idea of electric power and the instant acceleration and the silence, I mean, it, the whole thing was just an eerie experience. It was awesome. Yeah. And so um, as soon as Tesla started selling cars, the Model S came out and I immediately went and applied to get a car. You had to apply to get a car by the yeah. way, back then. Which is crazy and, to think nowadays, right, you know, but right. yeah. And, and it was a year and a half. I put five grand down to get an unknown vehicle from an unknown company that I may never see it. A year yeah. and a half later, <laughs> and, I, and I ended up with a very early serial number, Model S. I picked it up at the Fremont plant, and um, I got an amazing tour down there. I went to all of Musk's you know, little conferences he held and everything. I mean, this was really early on, and he wasn't the global rock star. He was a rock star already by then because he, he had exited PayPal by then. But, yeah. you know, um, but, but he didn't have a following like he does today, obviously. And so, you know, it was, it was still kind of a small community around this and anyway so 10 years forward i've now had i'm on my third one i've been driving it for 10 years uh and i've been up and down the tesla supercharger network been in canada down in mexico and you know across the country um using the, the tesla supercharger network and my hat's off to tesla i mean they built a great network it's a great product that uh, serviced an industry it allowed tesla to become what it is today and because tesla became what tesla is today that's changing the entire globe. Yeah, And this is part of why we're doing what we're doing today, because we've seen what Tesla has done. Tesla is an entrepreneurial technology company that changed the world by simply doing the right thing. And everyone had to follow because it became so obvious it was the right thing to do. 
Right. So, you know, now we see that all the other automakers are realizing, okay, we better get on the program here and get into this. And they are. They're being, you know, the market signals for this are unmistakable. We've got governments from the feds to the states to the local communities. Everybody is pushing on EV because of climate. And, you know, everyone understands. I, I don't know how many people don't believe climate's a real thing anymore. Climate change yeah. is a real thing right. or that it's human caused. But I don't even really look at whether it is or it isn't. The fact of the matter is there's way more carbon today than there was before. And the temperatures are going up. So there probably is a correlation there. In yeah. any case, I think we all agree that, you know, there's, there's more CO2 in the atmosphere than we want, even if it's just human health as it relates to a different concentration than we've, than we've you know, evolved with. And so, you know, we see that in order to make the EV experience a mainstream experience, um, there needs to be some basic level of infrastructure for the non-Tesla vehicles out there. Right. And go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to, I was my follow-up question. I wasn't sure if you're going to get into it, but like, let's, let's define like what Kilos is and what you guys are doing and how you're trying to innovate in this field. Okay, well, uh, so there's kind of a lot in that because there's a lot that's not understood about about EVs and about charging. So, you know, part of the EV experience that is really cool is that when you buy one, you don't really go to gas stations ever again, number one. And um, so that means that you usually will have at your apartment or in your house, you're going to have a level two charger, which is a 240 volt charger, which is like the same kind of plug that your electric dryer would plug into or electric range would plug into. Uh, so it's a relatively slow charger, but it's good for overnight charging. And so every morning, if you've plugged in, didn't forget to plug in last night, every morning you'll start off with, you know, equivalent of a full tank of gas, you'll have a full charge. And that means that, you know, today that's call it 300 miles of range. So, you know yeah. what, you can probably drive several days um, doing your daily routine without ever even thinking about it. And you right. never have to go to a gas station. So the plus is you get all those trips to the gas station back that you never have to go to anymore. And by the way, it's way cheaper to fill up an EV than, it, than a gas car. Yeah. So, you know, a gas car, you might be 50, 100 bucks. Um, if you're filling up an EV at home, um, it might be five to 10 bucks. And if you're doing it at a professional charging station somewhere, it might be 20 bucks, maybe. Right. But it's still, it's way cheaper. So this is one of the beautiful things about EV. Um, EVs also don't have maintenance issues. So, you know, the, the joke about the Tesla is that there are six things that fail, four tires and two wiper blades. And, you know, in my experience in 10 years, that's true. Uh, you know, right. so they, they just, they're really reliable. Yeah. Um, and so, so the level two charging is what you find at hotels and destinations and, um, you find them in people's garages and apartment buildings and maybe shopping centers that takes five to six or seven hours to charge a car. Now, when you're going somewhere distant and you need to charge multiple times to get there, that's when the supercharger network matters. And in those instances, you want the chargers to be where you need them to be so right. you can get there and you need to be able to charge fast. And today that's not the case, even for Tesla, that's not the case. So over the last 10 years, I've seen Tesla supercharger stations get more crowded than they were at first. And at first, I was always the only person. Every time I'd go to a supercharger station, I was the only person. I'd have people come over to me and say, what is that thing? And they were just, you know, amazed that, oh, wow, that's cool. Do you mind yeah. if I look at it? I mean, it's just incredible how, you know, this thing has evolved to the point now where they're commonplace and they're getting right. more and more commonplace. Right. But along with that, you start seeing that there's five or 10 Teslas at a station and now the charge times have gone way up too, even for yeah. Tesla owners. So you might spend 30 to 45 minutes there. 
And so um, that's for Tesla, which has a really evolved, the best worldwide charging network. All the other companies, there's 130 models coming this year and next year to the US marketplace, EV models. And all of those that are not Tesla, most of them um, don't have a charging network. And so yeah. there are companies that are trying to build that out, but there's a lot of problems to try to build that out. We're relying on a grid that doesn't have the, the core capacity to allow for that to get built out fast for one thing. And for another thing, there just is not a standardization. So it's kind of like in the early days of, of Apple and, um, and Android, you know, you have all these different devices that work in the Android world and it kind of makes things messy. Whereas in the Apple world, everything is all Apple up and down. Yeah. It's vertically integrated. So it's a good experience. That's kind of like Tesla. Tesla is vertically integrated. It's all, right. all Tesla. It all works together. Now you're entering a world where the whole rest of the world is going to be relying on this charging network. And today there's huge problems with that charging network. There are simply are not enough. That's just the first major problem. There just aren't enough. So you just can't get where you want to go. Yeah. Um, so when you buy an EV today, that's, that is the biggest barrier to adoption. And, you know, we've talked to hundreds of people in the last few years in this business, obviously. And what we've seen is that even people that love Teslas, they buy Teslas, they love them. They try to take them somewhere. They realize, you know, I can't really use this the way I want to. It's, it's just not like my SUV is. So they throw it back. And yeah. we've had, we've had literally had a number of Tesla defectees, love the car, charging sucks, not going to work, throw yeah. it back. Right. We, we actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday who told us, love the idea of EV, but I'm not going to buy one until there's a network there because it's just yeah. not going to work. Right, right. So, so the problem that we're solving, Mike, is, is really we're putting the infrastructure in uh, that allows for mainstream EV adopters to be satisfied with that choice. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about like the relationship between companies like your that companies like yours and you know Tesla and people that are on like I'm going to call it like the disrupt disruptor side of the auto industry because you're okay. changing the way that the auto industry has operated for like I think we were talking about before a hundred years, right? So right. is this like um, something that's collaborative or is it something that's you know between people like you on on your side and maybe the existing automakers? Is it collaborative? Is it more of like a you know is there tension there? Like like how is how is the industry shaping up um, in kind of like looking at the future of what all these EVs are going to uh, offer the, the the public? Okay, well, let me just do a quick history lesson here. Tesla yeah. is um, now 15-ish years old. Wild um, to think about that too, yeah. Right, pretty wild. Um, yeah. 15-ish years old. The, the iPhone came out 15 years ago, so oh. put that in perspective. Yeah. You know, that's kind of weird too to think about. That is right? pretty weird. <laughs> um, in fact, it came out in 2007, so it was exactly 15 years ago. So anyway, so Tesla's 15 years old. Um, it's gone from nearly dead a number of times to now its stock is worth more than the rest of the global auto industry combined. That's just full stop, an amazing fact. Yeah. Um, Tesla has completely changed the global auto industry. So everybody is going to have to go this way or they're going to become history sooner than they thought they were going to. There are new entrants into this market like, uh, like Rivian and Lucid that are producing a great product. And they're, they're products that are really designed to meet needs of specific users. Motor Trend just gave Lucid uh, Dream Air Edition the Motor Trend of the Year Award. Both of those two companies, uh, Rivian and Lucid, uh, went public in the last year or so. Both of them have market caps that make them worth about as much as Ford Motor Company. So just amazing, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And like I said, there's 130 models coming to the market. These vehicles are, they're amazing. 
they're really amazing. And, you know, there's much less differentiation across EV makes because at the end of the day, they're a battery, a motor, and that's pretty much it, right? So, you know, the, the difference between them in terms of reliability and performance and efficiency, there is differences for sure, but it's, you know, it's relatively minor. So it's what style do you like? Um, there is going to be, I think, like we saw 100 years ago in the auto industry, we saw, you know, it grew to 85 brands or something like that. And then it collapsed down eventually to three or four uh, with consolidation. And, you know, you ended up with a few big companies with a bunch of brands, right? Yeah, I think that's going to happen here. I think we're going to see an explosion of brands coming out. And that's what we're already seeing 130 models coming to the market. We're going to see that collapse down over time, too. Um, and so, you know, uh, in 2009, 2008, um, well, let me take that back. In 2012, when Tesla announced the Model S, and that's that's when I got in line to buy one myself. Um, uh, Musk said, look, we've got IP on this, and we're willing to share that IP with the industry free, free. Yeah. So in, in 2012, the S came out, you can have the IP free. In 2021... Nine years later, last year, Musk at one of his events made an interesting comment. He said, you know what? Nine years ago, we gave our IP to the industry. And now nine years later, we have no automaker in the world that has a product that competes with our 2012 Model S that we gave him the IP for for free. So right. to your question right. about collaboration, I think it is like everything else. There are frenemies here, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and there are there are collaborative moments and there's competitive moments. And, you know, so you see certain people are like, oh, I'm jealously guarding that. I'm not going to show you that. <laughs> but then you also see, you know what, in order for this to work, we need to all do this. So, you know, you've got collaboration, too. So I think it's a little both. Yeah, for sure. And I would imagine, because I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, you're looking at something that's happening right now. And like you were talking about, like, it's inevitable kind of where this is trending, you know, like we can talk about the future and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's pretty clear, like kind of, you know, where we're going with EVs and, and how that's going to just totally change up the way the auto industry operates. But it's also like we talked about before. I mean, people generally don't like change, at least at the beginning. And I'm sure big companies that have a lot of, you know, capital and all that kind of stuff invested in those types of things, you know, they don't want change either because it's going to upset a lot of people and it's going to cost them yeah. maybe a lot of money. Um, so I think that's really cool. So maybe take me also through, um, you know, I'm curious to know like a little bit more about your, like the why behind this. Like, so was this, I know you said you're a serial entrepreneur and you're doing different things. And we kind of talked about like, you know, broad strokes, like climate change and all those kinds of things. But is there, was there like a, a driver? Is this, was this like a good business opportunity for you? I'm sure it was. Um, that's, you know, why would you do it if it wasn't? Um, but was there like a, like, a um, kind of like a personal thing that kind of like helped push you towards this or was it just kind of like that early adoption with the Model S and then kind of, you know, seeing the opportunities there? Well, you know, it's a combination. Um, I'm, I'm an outdoorsy person. I love nature um, and I love natural systems. I, I believe in things, you know, I really think that we need to go beyond sustainability. Sustainability means that you're not going to make things worse. And that's an extremely low bar as far as I'm concerned. I think we need to be thinking regeneratively. Yeah. We need to actually be thinking, how do we improve things, not just not make them worse. So, you know, if your goal is to not damage something, I guess that's better than the alternative. It's kind of like the, the doctor's oath of um, first do no harm, right? Right. So, I, I mean, that's the bare minimum as far as I'm concerned. So I don't really think sustainability is even really the goal, but let's just start there. 
I think that we live in a planet where there's lots of beautiful things that are that are getting destroyed and we need to protect those things and maybe even, you know, rehabilitate some things. So it starts with some of the big drivers and the big drivers are um, transportation. And so if you can solve the transportation problem, meaning, you know, what everybody's identified, get it to battery electric. Um, that is a stepping stone to solving the bigger problem. So even getting everybody on electric vehicles, that's part of the solution. Right. And it's only part of the solution because if you're still using coal to make the electricity that powers all those cars, it is an improvement because electric vehicles are far more efficient. Only about 30% of the energy in a gallon of gas actually makes it to the road and two thirds goes up in CO2 and heat. So most of the gas that's burned actually doesn't propel your vehicle. Yeah, in electric, in electric, it is north of 90% of the energy actually goes to propelling the car. So it is much more efficient. Um, and so even if you use coal to make the electricity, EV is a great move. However, once you've got everybody on EVs and you've got this system of being able to charge them, then you can start really building renewable and putting renewable, distributed renewable in place and so that becomes the next step of this. So step one is get everybody on UVs. Step two is get the charging infrastructure in place. Step three is get renewal, renewables in place to power that charging infrastructure. Right. And now, now you've gotten, you solved the transportation problem, which is, you know, call it 40%, 50% maybe of the CO2 that's being emitted. And um, so I think it's an important thing to do. I think, you know, obviously thousands and thousands of people believe that, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's so interesting too. Cause I mean, just like everything that you're saying is, is really cool. But one of the things that I want to take a, a step back and talk a little bit about, um, this would be like one of our last questions of this episode. Um, but I'm always curious to kind of know, especially with entrepreneurs, um, the importance of the people that you work with, because I think like, especially when you're an innovative type field, like you are, I mean, you could, you could be innovative. Like you said, since fourth grade, you've been interested in this kind of stuff, but talk to me about like being kind of like the leader of this, this, uh, of kilos and kind of what you guys are doing and the importance of surrounding yourself with the people that are going to help propel that in the right direction. Um, this is such a broad undertaking and it touches so many different things that, um, I'm, I am, a, a reasonably smart guy, but I'm a generalist. And so, you know, I am not the splinter specialist in any one area. And what I really realized is that this business is by far the largest demand of expertise from different disciplines of anything I've ever tried to do. And yeah. it's because when you start really looking into it and really push on what needs to be done to make things work right, you need really high quality people. And I'm fortunate to say, I mean, we've got a small but amazing team already. And uh, we, just, we just brought in a, a global expert. It's just amazing amazing background. I mean, and so, you know, we're attracting real talent here and I yeah. think that will continue at a breakneck pace. Yeah. I love that. And then maybe like, let's just look a little bit into the future. This will be our last question of this episode. Um, a little bit into the future and maybe I'm also interested in goals of entrepreneurs. So like, do you have like, you know, maybe, I don't know if milestones is the right word, but certain things that you're hoping to hit over the next year, two years, like I, how you're looking at the future yeah. of kilos yeah. and what you guys are doing. Yeah, uh, I do. And I can give it to you. Uh, oh, so yeah. Let's go. My, my goal is right now, we've raised seed capital. We're building alpha a product, an alpha product right now, so we can demonstrate this. We're, we are taking reservations from people that are interested in, in all aspects of this, whether you own a truck stop and you're interested in having a charging infrastructure, come talk to us. You're state government. You want to figure out how to do this right? Come and talk to us. You're, you're someone that's got expertise in power electronics. Come and talk to us. 
But our goal is really very simple. Tesla today has 10,000 DC fast charging plugs across the US that are Tesla proprietary. They are not fast enough. In the next 10 years, those are all gonna have to be replaced and they can't be upgraded where they are for grid reasons. I won't go into much more detail on that. Sure. Our goal is to put 20,000 plugs out there across the interstate system in the alternative fuel corridors that will allow for the entire fleet, Teslas and non-Teslas to use them at a charging rate that is higher than any plug in existence on the public charging system today. Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's, that's awesome. So um, if people are looking to learn more about kilos and what you guys are doing, are there places that they can go to do that? Yeah. I mean, of course the obvious thing is our website. Um, our website right now is, is in, uh, is in stealth mode. It's just saying, you know, something cool is coming, but if you're interested, you can go there, you can put your information in, uh, you can hit us on LinkedIn. If you have LinkedIn, of course that works. Um, so kilos.net. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And and John, this was an amazing episode. I really appreciate you coming on with us today. We'll make sure that we put kilos.net in the show notes that people can go connect with you guys and learn more and, and kind of see the progress over the next, you know, months, years, all that kind of stuff and kind of how you guys help disrupt the network. So I, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you, Mike. It's been a great experience. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And everybody else, thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.